Kent Mansley, United States Government, Unexplained Phenomena Department. Marv Loach, I'm the fourth. What happened here? Not sure. Sometimes the line will snap if the weather's bad, sure. But for a whole tower to get twisted up like that, whoa. It's got me beat. It's almost like it was bitten off by some enormous beast. Enormous beast. Yeah. What do you think, escaped gorilla? Uh, what department is that again? Frankly, I'm not at liberty to reveal the particulars of the agency I work for. And all that that implies? You mean uh, national security? <laughs> Let's put it this way. Every once in a while, things happen that just can't be rationalized in a conventional way. People want to know that their government has a response. I am that response. So, were there any witnesses? Well, sir, if you'll just follow me. We did find this. United States government, huh? Guess that means something big's happening here, eh? No, Marv. Big things happen in big places. And the sooner I fill out my report, the sooner I can get back to them. That's right. Cinema 9 podcast goes to the animated world for the Iron Giant. Does it hold up? Is it the best animated film of the 90s of all time? We'll find out today on a very special edition of the Cinema 9 podcast. Travis Roy, Eric Branchum, Michael Govier, three human beings. We don't like labels. We just prefer to be humans. Keep it simple. And we'll talk movies today. So Cinema 9 pod, protonmail.com. Travis Roy, you selected this movie. You excited to talk about Iron Giant today? Welcome to downtown Coolsville, population us. <laughs> I got to say it because I was first, uh, or you know, <laughs> or among the first. Yes, hey, yeah, I am excited to talk about this movie, and uh, excited as always to be you know united the three of us like Voltron, only with three of us. And no Becca. Yeah, I'm doing good. Right. Well, that Eric. sounds like fun. How are you doing, Eric? Eric? Yeah, how are you doing, Eric? You got some? Uh, you got a can of something there. Here in beautiful Griffith, Indiana, we're doing fantastic. Not only do we have a small wave city club hazy IPA, but I am getting ready to embark on my first trip ever to Florida, beautiful St. George Island. I'm oh. pretty excited. All right, St. George. So we, we won't have you next week then, will we? That's true. Kind of a well, sneak peek. Let's enjoy our, our triumvirate tonight then. We should really Indeed. cherish it tonight more than usual. Uh, we'll have a guest host next week to sub in for Eric, 
Christian Hereminski, a fine young man that we've known, another part of our clan of movie-loving, uh, you know, pop culture curious people that we've known for many years. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. And we'll announce his pick because I think Eric has it at the end of the show. I don't know it. I don't either. And I know That's Travis right. likes to be surprised too, right? I did. He, I talked to Christian. He gave me the option. I said, no, I want to find out on the show. <laughs> yeah. way to do it when I can. I like it that way. Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. I like a little surprise. There's not yeah. always a lot of surprises in life. I mean, sometimes World is, War Three happens. That could right. be a surprise. I My mean, life is an empty shell. You know, just every now and then I lift it up and there's you know, a little green bean underneath of it. Like, oh, there it love is. lift us up where, where we, we belong. belong. Oh, that, that hazy's kicking in already. All right. Oh, so good. <laughs> little Joe Cocker to get you going. I mean, <laughs> Officer to Gentleman, maybe the best soundtrack of all time? No. No. Yeah, far from it. Uh, <laughs> the hyperbole? That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a dumb thing you said. It's a sir. good song, <laughs> but na name one other song. I'm confused. I don't yeah. know another song from the <laughs> Officer to so Gentleman. It's probably gentleman. not the best ever. <laughs> Holy shit. We have uh, exploded. We have 224 subscribers now. That's an explosion. On YouTube, we were thank at 186 you, like a week ago. Yeah, thank you for following. If you've been following, if you're newly following, if you're watching and you're not following, please do follow. But hey, thank you either way. Well done, Eric, everybody. Uh, podcasting After Dark, they probably gave us a boost, though. They are an audio-based format, but hey, shit. People want to know who we are. They have their, their new Patreon, uh, the Carpenter Factor, where they're breaking down all the John Carpenter films. And from uh, what I can tell, they, they, they're doing that on the same format, the video format as us. And guys, how much fun did we have with the fellows from Podcasting After Dark last week? Fair Best most. episode ever. So much fun. What a fun I had multiple blast. people, outsiders, tell me that was a great episode. I don't know what made it so amazing, but I'm glad. That it was amazing because we're grateful that our 100th episode could arguably be our finest hour. You know, well, I mean, it's always fun, but that was extra fun. It kind it of it's kind of a testament to like what movies can do because we don't really know Zach and Corey. Like we're fans of their show and what what they're doing on social media, but you just get people that love film together and they can go on for just two hours like old friends. Man, it just does so much socially for people that it was a fucking blast yeah. yeah and and they're real good dudes and also i mentioned on the show before that i've been binging seinfeld so i figured why not binge or you know get into Corey's yeah. other podcast cartwright a, yeah. a podcast uh, a seinfeld podcast and i gotta recommend that too i'm just gonna recommend all of their stuff everything that these two guys do zach and Corey, is worth checking out but the cartwright podcast i've been having a lot of fun with that's been my drive to work lately Ooh, yeah, yeah i checked it out as well i'm like oh i this is certainly for me, and everyone loves Seinfeld for the most yeah. part. So I am now a Cartwright fan. All right. <laughs> we both started up. All right. Look at us. We listen and, to stuff. Yeah. And if you uh, looked at the last episode, our episode 100, that had podcasting after dark on, and you thought, well, I've never seen Annihilators. I'll save that for when I watch Annihilators someday. One, watch Annihilators. Two, if you don't feel like watching Annihilators, you can listen to it anyway. Oh, you're right. I think. Yeah. It's a movie of all the shows we've done. This is the movie you least need to see. <laughs> yeah. Still be able to enjoy the episode. I believe. Probably. Yeah. Realistically, but it was worth catching. That's for damn. It's an exploitation. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you know, the genre, you'll fit right in. Trust me. It's a good time. <laughs> Thanks again to Corey and Zach for coming on the show. Good times. Noodle salad. Mm. I wanted to mention also. The great William Hurt passed, and I th don't think we could just gloss over that. I thought we should take a moment and say some 
commentary, say some commentary. I don't think that's how people talk, but William Hurt was definitely one of uh, my more enjoyable actors over the years. I, there's a lot of roles. In fact, Kiss of the Spider Woman, 1985, a very underrated performance, a, a unique performance, I think, in his career. He was fantastic. Him and Raul Julia. It's not a movie that I hear a lot of people talk about, and I want to recommend that movie. If you never saw William Hurt or you, you've seen all of his movies, but that one, check it out. It's funny that it's so not talked about because it's what he won his Academy Award for, right? There, yeah, there was right. First one. He, was, he won two, I think. One, one for that, one for broadcast news. Is that right? The accidental um, tourist. I know he was nominated multiple <laughs> times, but he, I know he and I, he uh, won for. You know, I'm, I'm not Wikipedia. I'm not on it either. Um, but he yeah, Wikipedia anyway. right now. At any rate, no one really talks about that movie, and it's the one that like you know got him a lot of attention when it did come out. One of these actors. Well, he knew it so well because my mom had it as a kid, so I never seen anything about it otherwise. It, it was a blow, man, because like we're starting to run out of these like older actors that just had this like quiet gravitas, like just their name you see it in the credits, and you knew that you you were just in for a, a, a treat, man. I'm thinking of like what he brought to uh, Mr. Brooks, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. like a silly thriller. But him as like the conscience, it just it brings so much because it's a classically trained actor uh, who knows his craft. And I sing the songs of the village. I'll sing the songs of his performance in the village to the day I die. Uh, it, it's just it's so powerful. And <laughs> he was always just such a rare treat. So I just like sing. You sing the songs. You rejoice. Yeah. You, you, the Psalms of her. <laughs> the Psalms of her. My kids will be like, Dad, we love you. And I'll be like, he was powerful in the village. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Jesus, Joey. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yep, there it is. By the way, guys, yeah, don't forget the Academy Award down for the shortest you know, acting performance of all time in the history of violence. He got was nominated, that, which that was him. Wasn't, what's her name okay. for network? That wasn't what's her name from. Huh? Um, he was nominated for History of Violence uh, for his ten minute. No, I know, but I think that's. I think the shortest uh, performance to be nominated for Academy Award was I can't think of her name, but uh, the the woman that played William Holden's wife in Network, I think, was the the least amount of screen time. Oh, that lady, she got nominated. That's hilarious. She sure did. Yeah, yeah. I think two scenes. You're exactly right, ma'am. Two scenes. I, I wish I knew her name. I scenes. sometimes do. Uh, not when I'm based on the historical ready. review I've done, which is like two minutes of research while you guys <laughs> talked, it looks like he just won the one award for okay. the Spider Woman role, but many nominations, including broadcasting. Incredible. That's it. And you know, he also was fucked up on drugs and shit earlier in his life, and he got cleaned up. And I appreciate that. You know, he got his life together, and he was able to lead a more straightforward, peaceful life. Based on what I've read about him after he died, I dove into it for a while. Some Have wild you shit there. Seen any of the allegations with Marley Maitland? Yeah, uh huh. That's unfortunate. That's part of that. That's uh, that's kind of what I was alluding to as well. I'm not saying it's yeah. You know, I know or I'm right or wrong one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that he did have addiction issues, and that doesn't justify behavior. But I sure. I just didn't know that part about it. So. I had never actually heard about it until his death. It's always a bummer when anyone that you really you know that famous person that you don't personally know, but you know when someone you care about goes and you're like, oh, I'm gonna you know look into it. And you're like, oh, oh. Oh, fuck. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I also appreciate the fact, though, because when people die, there's always such a positive vibe for the most part, which is, you know, that's cool. I, I think we should appreciate the people we had, but 
Let's be real about people. People are fallible and they fuck up and they make sure. mistakes. And I think we should remember all the lessons that people taught us, not just the, hey, remember that one time it was fun? I, I think it's a, it's a fine line, though. A balance of like, you know, yeah, okay. Uh, a little too much over here. So that's a good point. So get this. Beatrice Strait, Travis, Network. Beatrice Strait. Yeah. Five minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, and not to be outdone from the same movie, Ned Beatty, rest in peace. Five minutes, 53 seconds, supporting actor. Oh, funny. Yeah. Nomination or win? <laughs> a nomination. Yeah. And, and I know Judy Dench had a pretty short yeah, so what she won for it was a pretty short right. scene, but I can't I can't remember which film off the top of my head. Shakespeare in Love, and then Ruby G, American Gangster, Ten Minutes. Uh, yeah, there's most a few. Yeah. Oh, it was, most famously of all, I think, has got to be Tony Hopkins, Sounds of the Lambs. It says here, sixteen minutes. It's just Jesus Christ, an entire career. Uh, he won. summed up with that. Yeah, he won. He won yeah, for that one. Okay, well, at least he won for the father, right? A couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, he he won for the father last year. Well, there he can get so he can move past that. Uh, yeah, was, uh, anyway, Patty, uh, Patty, what's his uh, well, Shayevsky? Uh, you know, if he yeah. writes it, he's you know, people love it, I guess. It's Academy Gold, Academy Gold, Jerry. The J. Shray way, mm-hmm. my personal oh, favorite okay. animated movie might have to be Monsters Inc. or Spider Verse, but this is in the top five for sure. Okay, noble, um, noble choices. Into the Spider Verse yeah. is a, a, a quick. Shoot up the the ladder for uh, one of the best animated features I've ever seen as well. Yeah, thank you, man. You're a pro with this stuff, Travis. Monsters Inc. Does that make your top? I, five? I, I love Monsters Inc. I love Monsters Inc. Deeply. Yeah, I don't know that it makes my top five. It, there's a time it definitely would have, um, but uh, yeah, it is great. It wasn't crazy about the sequel, prequel, whatever. Ooh, okay, well, hey, anyway. Any old who will do it. If it's got a backbeat, you can smoke weed. All right. So don't forget, Cinnamon iPod, ProtonMail.com. Five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify. Plus, if you're checking out the show on YouTube, you can like the show that you watch. I guess that helps. You know, We're just trying to look for ways to connect with you guys and let YouTube know that we're somewhat cool. <laughs> all that. Yeah, Let's give you- it over to Travis Roy. Yeah, if you have liked or followed or shared or reviewed or rated or any of that kind of stuff, thank you. And if you haven't, please do. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching, the quarantine viewing picks. Naturally, naturally, I wanted to watch a William Hurt movie, right? Uh, and my, the, my first instinct was the first movie I think of when I think of William Hurt is actually a movie that he did with his former wife. Um, uh, what's her name? Mary Elizabeth Hurt. Um, the Doctor. But unfortunately, that's not streaming anywhere. So I didn't watch The Doctor. I'm like, all right, well, fine. I'll watch Altered States. But that wasn't streaming anywhere either. So I didn't watch Altered States. So I watched Broadcast News for the first time, which was Oh, my good. God. Yeah, I'd never seen it. i never seen it. It was okay. It was good. I wasn't in love with it. It was okay. I loved, oh. Al- I loved Albert Brooks's performance. Let me put it that way. Yes. I loved so good in that. Albert Brooks's performance. I wasn't crazy about the character necessarily, but I loved his performance. Uh, and I loved... And I loved um, Holly Hunter, like I love her and everything I've ever seen her in. Loki uh, Jack Nicholson just hanging out. Yep, Loki Jack, and 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 a little bit of social commentary about what's happening with you know with news and that kind of stuff, like Network Light, I guess. Speaking of Network, uh, I'm I'm never a huge fan of love triangle movies necessarily. I'm just kind of like, eh, <laughs> okay. So that was kind of where I <laughs> ran aground with that a little bit, but it was certainly good. I could see why people talked about it for so long, you know. Okay, I love that. Um, one. And then speaking of uh, the podcasting boys, I figured 
these guys are full of all kinds of great recommendations. So I went and watched one of the ones that they de- uh, recommended, that Zach recommended, uh, Walter Hill's 1981 film Southern Comfort. It was oh. good. It was a okay. good movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of Walter Hill films. I've seen like the big ones. This is one of those, you know, one of the first smaller ones I've watched. But I feel like he takes kind of tried and true tropes and genres and then puts a real unique spin on them. And this is like the deliverance genre, I guess you could say. But there's some really interesting things happening here. And it's one of the first Fred Ward roles. And you got uh, Powers Booth with like almost full head of hair, which is hilarious. And, you know, um, oh, shit. You know, Keith Carradine is such a good actor. He's, he's I really, really, really liked the stuff that he did. And he didn't star a lot. Um, that I saw. And I think I need to go back and watch more of his stuff. I think he's a really underrated actor. So that was, that was great. Great recommendation. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Oh man. I watched so many movies. I watched just like heaven. With Reese. Yeah. I, I don't know why I never watched it before, but I totally enjoyed it with Mark Ruffalo and her. Um, it's, it was right up my alley. It was good. I would recommend that one. Um, I watched uh, the Adam project, that new Ryan Reynolds. Oh film. boy. Dude, it was good. I thoroughly enjoyed the Adam Project. Did it hit a lot of familiar notes? Yes, it did. Was it a unique and uh, good take on the time travel genre? Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is. I think people are going to talk about this movie and watch this movie for a while. I think this is one of the better things that Netflix has had to offer um, for a while, especially when it comes to like the action family genre. They do. They do. They have been turning out pretty good dramas for a while. Um, some serious hard hitters. But when it comes to like the big kind of blockbuster movies, a lot of them kind of fall flat. Um, this one doesn't. I thought I thought the Adam Project was real good. Speaking okay. of going straight to streaming and animated film, I fucking loved Turning Red. Pixar's new film, Turning Red. Uh, people are upset. It talks about people's bodies. People are upset that it talks uh, about Toronto. Oh shit. Oh, uh, boy. You know, there's all kinds of issues people have. Oh no, but I loved it. Just, I mean, I very emotionally invested in the film. Uh, it does things that, you know, it's really, it's geared towards say 10 to 14 year olds, not little kids. This is parental guidance is suggested, but you know, anybody that's up in arms about this movie, like get the fucking stick out of your ass and watch the cartoon. Anyways, um, that's, <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. And speaking of animated films, I watched flea from 2021 this movie has the unique honor of the first academy award to be the first film academy uh, nominated for three best feature uh categories it's nominated for best international film it's nominated for best documentary and it's nominated for best animated feature and i hope it wins at least one of those because i gotta tell you guys uh yeah i think this is my main recommendation for the week wow flea is every now and then you watch a movie that's challenging but I think that everyone should watch Flea. It's on HBO Max. It's on Hulu. But I literally think it should be required viewing for all human beings. If, you, if you've if you ever felt a brief moment of empathy for refugees, if you ever gave any thought whatsoever for what life is like for a refugee and what it would be like to have to flee your country and your family, I, I really think that everyone should watch Flea. It was, it was a tour de force. It was fantastic. Wow. Um, okay. and, then, and if you guys are unfamiliar, it's, it's a documentary. That's just a guy's life. It's just a story of one random refugee, but he's so afraid of uh, blowback that much of it is animated to like 
change his face and stuff and change his settings. So you hear him like, you know, talking with his husband in his kitchen and that kind of stuff, but they're all just animated versions of themselves. It's really interesting. And it was great. So I strongly recommend Flea. Last but not, oh, I got two more here. A few more. I'll try and finish this up. <laughs> um, I watched Forrest Gump with my students. Okay. In, my, in one of my classes. One of my, my Wow. Seniors. What do they think about it? What do kids nowadays think about it? They liked it, but I do teach at a religious school, so they found it kind of raunchy in some places that I oh. I, I, I kind of forgotten how uh, you know some of this stuff was a little actually more risky. We watched it in high school, but uh, it was yeah, maybe a little more risque than I remember. Or the pause button on that on the Jenny, theater. early Jenny scene. <laughs> yeah, that, that in particular, I think, was traumatizing. No, I didn't see it that way. Forrest Gump was, yeah, very important to me. I wouldn't ever defile Forrest Gump like that. I find that to be a little disrespectful, but uh, that was my experience for some reason. It was I remember I was 14 years old, yeah. and it came out the theater. I remember seeing a commercial on TV. I was like, what is this? It just yeah. kind of grabbed me in a weird way where I had to see this movie, and when it came out, on VHS, I remember it. It was spring of ninety five. Came out on Mother's Day. Mm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Spring of ninety five. Perfect. And I came home from a tennis tournament, and the parents were gone for a weekend, and I was so excited. The whole house to myself, and I put it on the VHS, and I had food, and I was happy, and yeah. I was about as happy as a six, fifteen year old guy. Well, actually, I was fourteen, right? Fourteen year old can be. That's a total yeah. tangent on your Forrest Gump commentary, but oh, that movie okay. meant so it. much to me once upon a time. I'm glad it brought back memories for you. Very... Five, to five times in the theater. Most I've ever seen a movie in the theater. And that's the thing, because like, I've been hearing some shit online that the movie gets shit nowadays online, to be honest with you, for it's like whole Reagan area, everything's so like squeaky clean, and like, why are we celebrating his like dimness? It's it, Everything's accidental. I think that's yeah. all horse shit. I'm going to have to say, I know that there's people that have come around and Jay, Jay Ray, thank you. Uh, definitely check out Flea. Uh, there, I know that there's a lot of people that have gone to out of their way to shit on uh, Forrest Gump over the last few years. And I have something to say to those people. Fuck you. Thank you. <laughs> ah, no, I, I, any criticism. Oh, that's that's a power play right there. Any, any criticisms people have of their own, they're welcome to them. But I got to say, I, I think I think it's still a great film, especially, I mean, especially Hanks' performance. I mean, he deserved two Academy Awards in a row. He is so incredible in it. I loved it. He you falls into the role. He really does. Yeah, you, you don't think no. for one second about the burbs, big, anything while you're watching it. He's Forrest. Yeah. Yep, Loremaster. Loremaster agrees, by the way. Loremaster <laughs> loved it. Just so long with Batman Forever. That's yeah, not man. a good movie, but I oh, was there too. On. I watched both come those on. movies a lot in the nineties. So yeah, come on. What out. do you want me to say? <laughs> you can I'm not supporting Batman Forever. It's fun. You can you can come out as a fan. I have openly, and I can fuck that here. shit. No, 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 no retconning here. You're not. You don't have to try and hustle us into your game like the rest of us. Are just happy <laughs> I will say, I thought Val Kilmer was a good Batman. He was a good yeah. Bruce Wayne. Val Kilmer was a yeah. rock solid Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll wrap this up. I revisited Bad Words. Still good. Uh, I watched um, Belfast. Much nominated Belfast. Okay. What are we did thinking you, here? Did you watch it, Eric? No. Oh, it was great. It was really oh. good. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. it's the first It's the first DV film that Branagh has done with his uh, regular D, DP. And I forget the guy's name, but man, it... <sighs> fucking film is dead this looked incredible it looked so incredible it just looks so good i can't go on enough about how well shot it is uh it just looks fantastic and the story was good 
I, there's a reason why it's getting all the eyes and attention on it. Uh, this is a really good movie. I like Belfast quite a bit. Definitely recommend it. And last but not least, Cream in his pants, guys. I, I didn't do that. That's cream in it. Cream in his pants. I'm going to be <laughs> the only host to not talk about that in this moment. <laughs> um, last but not least, I found myself with an unexpected afternoon off and figured uh, I got some time to kill. I should go back to the movies. And I went to a completely empty theater to revisit Spider-Man No Way Home, which was so good. I liked it the first time. I loved it the first time. But revisiting it, like part of me, part of me when I first watched it was like, this is intense. There's so much going on. Like, am I as into it as I think I am? Or am I just kind of dazzled by all of this movement? And uh, man, it's so fucking good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I really love Spider-Man No Way Home. So, Mike, Mike did you it. see it? Did you see it, Mike? I got to see that fucker. It's oh. on my list, but I, I didn't go to the theater again like Licorice Pizza. It got caught up in the same. Uh, you're going to wish you're going to the theaters. It's still yeah. in theaters, man. Yeah. It's still in. In a bunch of theaters. I mean, I see it? I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, yeah, I'll look into that then. Maybe uh, maybe I'll go after the show. No, I got work to do. I'm lying. Okay, uh, <laughs> we'll see that movie, though. I saw Liquor's Pizza. It took some time. And in fact, after <laughs> Eric goes, I'm going to reveal a movie that I saw that Ooh. some of us really wanted to see, but we're not able to. So stay tuned no for shit. that. Right after this. There's come no on, come on. Uh, Eric, you're up. You watch Come On, Come On. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I did Dude, not. I've been, I, I I'm really telling good. you, man. I've been watching so much early Bob Barker episodes of The Price is Right. That I uh, <laughs> had a really hard time watching movies. I can't help it. Like, I'm a habitual personality. And I, like, once I start down this rabbit hole, I just, that's all I do. But I did manage to sneak in. And if you watch, uh, listen to us on Instagram or check out our page, you know, and if you've been oh. following uh, the channel, you know that I've been doing some sort of weird uh, 90s action thriller on uh, this past weekend. So I did a triple threat. We had Deep Blue Sea, the Rennie Harlan film from 99, followed by Anaconda from 1997, and concluded by Dante's Peak, the volcano film uh, from also 97. <laughs> and... I had a lot of fun with this trilogy, man. Uh, they just don't make movies like this anymore with big budgets. They all, I mean, they, let's be honest. They all sucked. They're all horrible. <laughs> but they're just just—they're just fun to watch, man. Um, so, you know, I i checked myself and I sat back and I i had a lot of laughs with uh, Anaconda, especially. So ridiculous. Like, how, did, how the fuck did this oh, get man. the green light? How are these actors That's saying these lines without walking off the set? I mean, didn't it turn Monkey out? Monkey blood. Monkey blood. Monkey blood. Best monkey line blood. in Hollywood history. Cartwheeling monkey stuffed <laughs> monkey gets spit out of the stupid end. It's so dumb. Owen I mean, Wilson's in this. Uh, it's there's yeah. been a lot of movie quotes we've thrown around throughout the years, but monkey blood, it's up there for maybe most oft-repeated. Oh, wait, guys, there. guys, look at this. Look at this. Well, I'm sorry, you got to see this comment. Look at this. Cool. Hey, thanks, Naked HD XYZ. Okay. Cool. Online strips without clothing. Don't forget to say the full name. What wow. is their so message? Envelope, check mark, drunk? Like, is it? What, what yeah, is uh, blocked. They just, oh, we're being invaded. We just got commented oh, eight shit. times in a row. You're blocked. Sorry, okay. strippers. No offense to stripping. That's great. I but we love don't, strippers. We just hate spammers. Yeah. Great profession. Exactly. Um, I could have said uh, it better myself. Uh, anyway, I'm sitting there thinking about like the. <laughs> Like the the studio, like like somebody walks in with the script for Deep Blue Sea, and what do they say? Like, uh, okay, here it's we go. Jaws, it's like Jaws, it's like Jaws, but like the sharks can cure all, <laughs> Alzheimer's disease. 
So we gotta bring, we gotta bring in a team to capture the sharks and like uh like what like extract the cure for Alzheimer's from Great White Shark. Really stupid. Uh, every actor phoning it in. Tom Thomas Jane is doing the best he can, but not even he can uh, save this. Really dumb. Uh, yeah, and that. I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I watched the TMNT animated film from 2007. It's just bad. Uh, it's just bad. So yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm still in this Price is Right run, dude. I, I cannot believe these prices are ridiculous, dude. A Ford Mustang, $3,000 in 1982. Uh, any, uh, did they play, what's that one? Uh, Clinko? Clico? Blinko? Clinko didn't come along. I'm still in like the Clico. 76 to 78 era. So, yeah. A lot, lot, lot of harassment on Bob Barker's part. I was going to say, did Bob Barker get handsy with anybody? Extremely I, I handsy. Yeah, it's it's very awkward. It's not family feud level. No. <laughs> he's, not, he's not kissing 12-year-old girls on the lips, but right. it is very he's, handsy. He's not grabbing a husband's ass while the wife watches, right? I mean, that's... Man, that actually, <laughs> yes. Revolution but, uh, from the 60s know. into the 70s kind of went off the rails there. As long as he gives you that dinette set, I guess it's all good. <laughs> Yay! I got a dinner! A new car! Boop, boop, yeah. What was that guy's name? The announcer, Roddy? Hey, Roddy! Rod Roddy. Rod Roddy. That's a real name, right? Peace, man. Rod, rest in peace. Uh, gotta check out Bad News Bears? Oh, um, yeah, I never saw that. Walter Matthau, like, baseball team or something? Funny. It's the second time today that's come up in my life. Jack Earl Haley is yeah. one of the kids. Oh, was he really? Like Destiny. Yeah. Yep. Tatum O'Neill, right? Tatum O'Neill was, like, the girl yeah, on the team. The, yeah, the one... That was Tatum O'Neill. That's correct. Thank you. Well, Eric's looking at me like I'm a moron, so I want to make sure I wasn't crazy. And it's, if you're crazy, by the way, it's okay. We all get crazy. It's part of life. Come on, let's get nuts. We're going to get We get a little crazy. Remember that? <laughs> Very well. Oh, it came See out in 76. That's too. why okay. Laura mentioned it. It came out you, in 1976, Laura, another 70. Okay, thank you, Laura, for the clarification. Uh, by the way, I just looked it up. Spider-Man No Way Home. Is playing at the theater that's a mile from my house. Four showtimes tomorrow, so I still have a chance to pull this off. Now, mm. if I can find the time between trying to help my brother and picking up Leanne, I really do want to see this in the theater. I thought I was over. I thought I'd missed my window, but I haven't. I mean, as as uh, as Jay just mentioned, there it's it is digital, so you you have that fallback. But I was happy to see it in theaters. To me, is I mean, it's a big movie. It's a big movie. I think that you're, I mean, I think you're gonna wish you saw it in theaters. Yeah, I just got out of you know. COVID, got out of the habit of not going to the theater, sure. made the return with the Batman. By the way, did anyone do a second viewing of the Batman yet? I I, I was going to go to that. It was an issue of timing. I was like one or the other. So I went, so I went, it's hitting HBO ahead. Max, I think, on April 19th. I know. So, it's yeah. a little too soon. What? I'm like, but here, Mike, actually, would you want to go with me to see it in an IMAX theater? Because I'm thinking if I go see it a second time, I'm going to see it in IMAX theater if I'm going to see it at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should do that. Let's try to make that happen then. Do it. Let's talk off air. Yes, yes. Actually, let's make our plans on air to stop the show while it's recording here. Let's share and our, our phone numbers. and uh... <laughs> 734. Uh, okay. So I watched The Iron Giant, which we'll talk about next. Does it hold up or not? Is it the best animated movie of all time? You'll find out. I uh, also watched To Live and Die in L.A., so no, you didn't. <laughs> Eric's I've, just stepped away. I, uh, I know. I wanted to tell Eric this, but I'm grateful to our friend who also listens to the show and said that our 100th episode was outstanding. Uh, Eric Allen, shout out to you, Eric. Hello, buddy. 
Eric has the Plex. Use the Plex uh, app on TV, the Plex app that he mm -hmm. has his server. So whenever he uploads movies on there, I can watch them. And he found To Live and Die in L.A. So <gasps> I watched it. And oh, okay. wow, what a... This is fascinating film. Talk about gritty, raw, yeah. 85, Friedkin, mm -hmm. Bill Peterson's Bill. very young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill William is... Uh, Bring it. I'm ready William to hear Foe some is fucking baby phrase. Things. He's back so baby-faced. William Dafoe? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> wild. And uh, John Pankow getting a lot of screen time in this movie. Who really? I knew his face. I'm like, it's that guy. Yeah. And I had to look it up where else I knew him from. And mad about you. Mainly it's, yeah, mad about you. And yeah. uh, the other, I also knew him from Secret to my, of My Success. That was the yeah. one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. So, if you see his face, look up or Google John Pankow. For those of you listening, you'll know Just exactly who that is. Ultimate 80s, cool. like, receding hairline. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Uh, it's kind of a tough sell as a Secret Service agent for me. Uh, I mean, I guess that was debatable. But Bill Peterson was badass, and Willem Dafoe was outstanding. And uh, you got Dean Stockwell as a scummy lawyer. That's fun. And uh, uh, the soundtrack, uh, the score... <laughs> All the music's done by Wang Chung. Wang it's very Chung. clearly established music by Wang Chung in the credits. So there you know no it's Tangerine Green, but okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Wang but it's Chung. definitely of its time. I will say that. That's cool. Uh, it's fun. I enjoyed it. It was it was up my alley. It definitely was. It's uh it's not your typical mainstream action movie. And I would say it's kind of an action movie. There's a lot, there's maybe the longest car chase I've ever seen in my life in this movie. It's really, really long. Uh, it makes more sense later on in the movie why it's so long, but I'm not going to spoil that. So I uh, just wanted to say I watched it. To Live and Die in L.A., 1985. Billy Friedkin, check it out. It's really a solid film, and I'm glad Billy I got now. to see it. Now it's Billy. Hey, Billy! I'm sorry, Mr. Friedkin. <laughs> I'll go back to Mr. Jay says, definitely one of the best theater experiences for me. Go see it while you still can, dude. Spider-Man. Yeah, talking about Spider-Man. And all Jay also loves. I've watched the Batman three times now. <laughs> wow, that's the more I think about it, the more I love it. And I still haven't seen it a second time. So I will tell you, I've I've really grown to enjoy and hum that damn theme a lot. So really I'm a Batman. The Batman. He's the Batman. It haunts yeah, you, man. Definitely, yeah, uh, it's good. It's awesome. simple but well done. Lyrics by Travis Roy. Uh, that's pretty much it. I got some other movies I need to watch. Uh, there's some more I want to knock out before the Academy Awards happen, like Coda, yeah. Power of the two. Dog. I need Please to see those watch two. Coda. Yeah. I kind of see both yeah, of those, I, man. Okay. I, it's on the list here. I want to get it done. So You got a week. I really try to make it so. I've, uh, shit, really? I Holy cow. Yeah, next weekend. <laughs> next next Sunday. Next Sunday. Sunday. I did want to say, um, I also watched Turning Red. I, I loved it, man. Like, Isn't it great? Yeah, it's... It's just so ballsy, like not, not ballsy, like in a oh, how dare they? It's just like, uh, yeah, fuck you, we're doing this. Yeah. It's time to do this. Yeah. And like at first, I was like, uh, this she's kind of annoying, but like this is how kids act. Believe me, I teach third grade. This is exactly how kids act. This whole like the, all the friends are just so much fun, and like to to have the <laughs> to have the villain of a Disney picture be. Some little girl's mother. I mean, that's so ballsy. I, it I, is. I loved it. It is, and she's not like a traditional villain, but she's right. she's, she's certainly like mom. the obstacle to be overcome. Yeah, and yeah, you're right, man. It's just a really sweet movie. 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Disney's got some issues recently. There's this fucking law in Florida. Yeah. And uh, Bob Iger, the CEO, is really yeah. just acting like an asshole here that is really homophobic, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. If you want to know more about it, you can Google it. In Florida law, it's about homosexuals not being allowed to do certain things I, I actually don't even know all the details i just know he's a douchebag it's it's real quick it's it's in education and corporate settings that you basically cannot discuss any, anything to do with LGBT. oh that's right yeah, yeah fuck you and a similar law is up in georgia so uh another hollywood stronghold so let's let's hope that hollywood turns its ire there as well to um to express its discontent and rather than you know just leaning on the tax rebates that's true. I mean, it's home of the Annihilators was filmed there. So, <laughs> and oh, a million true. other movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, legendary, legendary place for film. Okay, there it is. That's what we've been watching. Cinemanidepod at protonmail.com. In fact, actually, why I will check the email. I haven't checked it in a while. Anybody else? Never uh, I, never yeah, I think we got never, one I, from. Uh, I think we got a couple. To be honest with you, man. Oh, geez, let's really no shit. That'd be exciting. I only check the email when we do the show. I know that's not really while we're on the air. Question. You mean yes, in, in particular <laughs> while we're on the air with a slow internet connection, so I have to Ooh. vamp it out a little bit. Uh, Is that what entertainment wrote like? us? Yeah, boop, 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 boop. the Jeopardy news. Yeah, Jeopardy, the category. Christian. Next week's guest host for Eric Brandstrom, Christian wrote us on March 11th, and he said, "Gents, I would like to commend the show on helping me come to the realization that as much as I worry about having too many streaming." subscriptions that I've forgotten or don't use much. <laughs> it's comforting to know that Eric has the same issue and is still able to survive. And on a teacher's salary, no less, hearing all that food and drinking or drinkware clanging and clashing in the background really helps remind us that he is still healthy and well-fed. Despite these costly and unnecessary fees. <laughs> For that, I thank you. Wink, wink. Just cause. <laughs> Excuse me. I do the best I can on a teacher's salary. Yeah, how and about that? Dude? I like, you know, I, I like my full five-course dinners during the show. There, so yeah, you just have to deal with that. Note that he's the only host who ever eats during the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old drinkware. That's good. Yeah, you are known to have a drink in your hand, so that's so funny. Get some corn the cob out. <laughs> <laughs> if... <laughs> If you and uh, Steve's having a laugh, so there you go. Uh, we love you, Eric. You know yeah, that. See, we, we're laughing because we what know it's all true. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, what a dick. If you like that humor, then you'll enjoy next week's episode when Christian joins us live as a special guest host. Uh, Jay wants to say that he honestly thinks Disney put Luca and Turning Red straight to streaming because of the undertones. It's strange that they were completely free with no premiere access. Almost like they aren't confident. I think he's saying that. Uh, I think that that's an interesting point. Uh, I mean, COVID is an easy explanation there, but he might be onto something that they the, the movies that they're taking bigger chances on, they're maybe not trying to draw as much attention attention to. Maybe they're also trying to get Disney Plus subscriptions. I mean, sure. got to keep those shareholders happy. I mean, right, pretty much all it is. And uh, yeah, apparently, the way that they combat the don't get, they say gay bill is by providing content where you know a lesbian kisses there's a lesbian kiss in the background of a one scene for 0.5 seconds that kind of thing 
Hey. Oh my goodness. We're talking about Walt Disney here. All you gotta do is check yeah. out the Wikipedia page. You'll learn all you Aww. need to know about that In honesty, uh turning red was a was a tremendous step forward for them. I mean, it's you know, a baby step by the rest of society's standards, but for them it was a big deal. So Hey, corporations are growing little by little. They'll little get by there little. someday. They don't <laughs> want to alienate that Chinese audience or, <laughs> or whatever. It's always like some audience are trying to like avoid upsetting, right? Russian audience. like Yeah, know, whatever Arabian one is audience. providing a big chunk of money to their profits. Yeah, yes, that's that's true. John Cena. You get three-hour apology for going Taiwan a country. Taiwan oh, yeah. Really? He's a country. <laughs> yeah, well, for now it is. Anyways. Yeah. That's the Cinnamon iPod email. Cinnamon iPod at ProtonMail.com. Send us one and we'll read it on the air. All right, it's time to find out. Does today's movie, selected by the Travis Roy, I'm 1999's Iron Giant, does it hold up? So, where are you from? You came from the sky, right? From up there? Don't you remember anything? Hmm. Maybe it's that bump on your head. Do you talk? You know, words, blah, 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 like that. Can you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you get the idea anyway. Let's see. See this? This is called a rock. Rock. Good. Yes. No, no. That is a tree. Rock tree. Get it? That's right. Well, my own giant robot. I am now the luckiest kid in America. This is unbelievable. This is the greatest discovery since, I don't know, television or something. I gotta tell someone. I should call some, no, they'll panic. People always wig out and start shooting when they see something big like you. Let's find out. So Another. The Iron Giant came out in 1999, directed by Brad Bird, and Jennifer Aniston's one of the voices in this. I didn't even look it up. Is it Harry Connick Jr., the, the yeah. beatnik? Harry Connick Jr., the beatnik. <laughs> And uh, Christopher McDonald is uh, Kent. Oh, I got that one. Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah, was he's got one of those voices. M.M.M. Yeah, right. Walsh as the unfortunate sailor in the beginning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, no shit. Okay. Let's go. Cool. Oh. Still alive. Still out there kicking it around. He's still fu- yes. Man I, of the year. He was just in something. I, I, I just, what was it? He was in something and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm holy fuck. No, he's still working. I always oh, He was in, uh, uh, was it Succession? I was like, holy shit. Oh, really? Emily Walsh is alive. This is popping in. I and mean, he's in his mid 80s, late 80s. My mistake. It was the righteous gemstones, but still, yes. No. This, this is really new. So, yeah. uh, Travis, can you take us back to 1999? Do you remember seeing this movie in the theater? I don't believe I, you saw it in the theater. I did not see it in the theater. You know, as much as I love animated film, as I've discussed many times on the show, 1999 was, I was 19 years old. So, this movie came out just at the sweet spot where I would have been like, just a little. I'm a little too old and cool and busy for this. Um, so I, I didn't see it in theaters. and I, I didn't really watch it on VHS exactly or DVD. Um, I have a really unique way that I watch this movie. I worked with Eric and a few other people at Blockbuster Video. And if you ever went to Blockbuster, you may recall those 
trailer tapes that were about two hours long of just the same fucking shit over and over again. The same commercials, the same music videos, the same goddamn narrator. It was so irritating. And every now and then in sweet bliss, those tapes would break and uh, we wouldn't have anything to replace them. So we'd actually be able to like, they would allow us, management would allow us because you know, pretty strict, uh, pretty strict franchise thing going on there so that management would allow us to watch pg or g-rated films That's if right. the trailer tape broke so we, we should have broken it more often but <laughs> would, have, would have been suspicious uh, right. so i remember throwing this one on a few times in in those moments like i just kind of had it on in the background i didn't watch it that closely you know at the end of my shift i paid a little more attention to, you know so i put it on like a few times in those occasions but so i saw like in bits and pieces and i liked it but i just never really gave it its fair shake in a proper sit-down setting until last night so while I'd seen it, I hadn't truly watched it. So mm, that's my experience with the Iron Giant. And that and the fact that, yeah, I've watched it go on to be, you know, regarded as a classic by a lot of people. I'm like, I should get eyes on this again. Okay. Well, I respect that and commend it. What about you, Eric? Did you see this movie called The Iron Giant in 99? Problem was they didn't market it. Like, mm. I never saw one commercial about this thing going into theaters, which it did. And secondly, like... I just wasn't I, I, I would always wait for animated films to get good word of mouth because this was a fucking weird time for animated films. This is like when the, the Disney Renaissance is over. So we're got like we got like Tarzan and it's meet like the who cares? And we got Meet the Robinsons and we've got like uh, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island and oh, like yeah. just stuff that's like not really doing Prince of Egypt stuff that's mm. not doing mm. animation any favor. So you can't really trust anything that's coming out. And you have to wait for word of mouth. So when I first saw this, I do remember it being a fr breath of fresh air because I'm getting like Amblin vibes and I'm getting mm -hmm. like Joe Dante vibes. Ooh. So I, I loved it when it first came out. Haven't seen it since, bro. Oh, right. dude, I'm so sorry for you. That's I feel Mike, for you, man. This was your first oh. viewing, yes? Oh, yeah. Jay says, grew up loving this movie and watched it on repeat. Wow. This and E.T. were... Two movies that really shaped me. Holy shit. If those, if those two movie, movies really shaped him, I bet he takes in a lot of stray dogs. <laughs> it's also interesting because Big they're cats. pretty much the same movie. There are some similarities. I don't know if they're the same movie, but there's definitely... I don't remember E.T. like going on a murder spree, but yeah. um, I, th there is some similarities here. But technology thought, similarities. To get into the... Since you brought that up, before we get into the reviews... This movie is based on a book called The Iron Man by a guy named Ted Hughes that came out in 1968. Uh, the former, the, the husband of Sylvia Plath when she <laughs> killed herself, yeah. actually. Oh, shit. enough. Yeah. yeah. But so Ted Hughes? I, Ted Hughes. So as I was watching this, part of me was like, well, yeah, there's some, there's a lot of things here that feel familiar to me, but I don't know to what extent filmmakers that I grew up watching grew up reading this book. And this was Vin Diesel's audition for Groot. Clearly. <laughs> By the way, there's other days we didn't mention this movie. Cloris Leachman is in this. Yeah, uh, right. John Mahoney's in this as the general. The general. Shows up with the army. Yeah. Look, uh, I love Mahoney. He's a good dude. Oh, I love Mahoney too. But I clearly never saw this film. And this is my first viewing, so I have no past experience. But I will echo what Eric said. This movie completely escaped me. I'm usually aware of movies that come out, especially movies that are kind of beloved. And this one is beloved. And I just didn't hear anything about it until the mid-2000s-ish, maybe like mm. later 2000s. It just was not in the ethos in my world. 
I, I think this is a true cult classic. I think this is a movie that didn't make a huge splash when it came out, but the people that watched it loved it and, you know, showed their kids it later on, that kind of thing. Okay. Plus the kid's name, Hogarth. How cool is that? Hog hug. <laughs> Hog hug. Hog hug. Uh, all right, so this movie is going to be very loved. I think this one is clearly in the eight range. We don't always get this type of movie, but this has got to be like an 8.3. I, I saw. Okay. Oh. So I'll, I'll um, abstain. I didn't see, but like the love is palpable. I'm going to say I'll go a little lower. I'll say 8.1. That's what it is. It's 8.1. Okay. Okay. Well, it cracks the eight marker. That's a legendary status, borderline yeah. legendary status. Yep. Uh, beloved beloved you guys say beloved or beloved depends on you know how i'm feeling how saucy am i in that moment sure is it cursed or cursed it's cursed if i'm like feeling dramatic (laughs) otherwise it's just cursed by the way uh i'm gonna do the reviews here but i just got sidetracked by a new show coming out from mike myers have you heard about this at all i saw the preview last night i was like what what the what what is this the the guru tv show is this Oh, no, not the guru. God, what a train wreck. Apparently, it's about, it's called the Pentaverit. Yeah, Pentaverit, secret society in the future. What if five, no, no, no. No, what if five men, yeah, what if five men, secret dudes you didn't know about, have been altering events on Earth since the Black Plague? That's what I read as the tag. Oh, so the Eternals. Okay, yeah, except they're like. (laughs) Like he's played all the characters, I assume. Anyways, I was like, okay, well, this is uh, something. Oh, I gotta so, tell you, I'm not right. into the idea of. I mean, I, I want Mike Myers to come back. I don't want to see him playing five different fucking characters like it's goddamn, you know, Hercules. Hercules. You know, I, I'm, uh-huh. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. How many fat suits do we need to see Mike Myers yeah, in? A lot in of life? fat suits. Yep. Is that an ego thing? You think? Or I don't know. I seems. I think it's maybe a little bit of an ego thing, but I think it's also like a throwback thing. You know, it's kind yeah. of a, a old school way to do comedy, right? You're everybody. Especially yeah, if you're telling, like, do. Pete's, he's like obsessed with Pete's, Peter Sellers, so he's trying to do that. But uh, watching okay. that preview, I was like, this is kind of, this is like early 2000s. It's, it's over. Like this is, mm-hmm. this whole deal is done. He, he need he needs to stick to drama and Tarantino films if he's gonna make his slow comeback. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety six percent. That is high. Wow. That is the highest, very high. The highest. It might be. Show? We'll have to check the. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Doughboy. Our Doughboy is our statistician. Doughboy, check the records on that. All our episodes. Ninety uh, percent from the fans. So that's outstanding. There's not much discrepancy between the fans and the reviewers, but let's see what the reviewers say. You know, we didn't get any reviews on last week's show. I missed this segment. We're back. Let's see what Rachel Wagner says. She says it is beautiful and moving and the animation is gorgeous. David Anson says this is not exactly standard children's fair, but kids and their parents should be smitten by its wit and wisdom. Okay. Okay. What else you got? Brad Bird fills the CinemaScope screen with wit and beauty in this modern-day fairy tale. Michael Stragow of The New Yorker. The CinemaScope screen. Yeah. Okay, because we're in the 50s. All right. He's from The New Yorker. He's got to say CinemaScope, so he's just being an asshole. He's got to be polysyllabic. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's required. It's in the contract, I believe. I I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, No, I see any Dessen yet here. I don't know if Dessen's going to chime in. It might be too early for Dessen. 
It might be. It might be, but you never know. I always hold sure. out hope for Destin yeah. and Goody Coons. Yeah. Uh, Kim Newman of Empire Magazine says the big attraction is the Iron Giant itself. At yeah. one stage, it transforms into a scary alien being with War of the Worlds heat rays and impressive zap zapping capability. Spoiler alert. Yeah, geez, Kim. But it is mostly a lovable, lovably old fashioned clanking bot. <laughs> clanking bot. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's good that kids, maybe, maybe maybe parents would want to know that there's going to be a, a moment where the robot goes full murder bot, though. That's maybe not the worst <laughs> spoiler in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, yeah. Good old Ebert, Ebes. Old Ebes. Old Ebes. Imagine E.T., Eric, as a towering metal man, and you have some of the appeal of the Iron Giant, an enchanting animated feature about a boy who makes friends the robot from outer space i think you're telling us the plot are you saying anything about it uh, or I, that a, a little easier to just imagine johnny five if he was about 90 <laughs> foot shorter Ooh, it's pretty I like much that, that movie okay uh, i want to read one negative review i found one from stephen hunter of the washington post the movie as beautifully drawn as sleek and engaging as it is has the annoyance of incredible smugness it is one could <sighs> oh, say boy. Blinded by the hindsight. Blinded <laughs> by the <What>? hindsight. <laughs> I understand. I understood all those words individually, but in strung together, it started to lose meaning to me. <laughs> Blinded by the hindsight. Hindsight of what? What's the, well, yeah? What are we missing? Uh, I actually thought that maybe there was more. Like you were going to keep talking, but no, that was the end of the <laughs> sentence. Yeah, I wish I had more to offer there, uh, Mr. What's-His-Face from that place. Anyways, yeah. that was the only... I mean, this is just filled with positive tomatoes. So uh, no Dessin, no Goody Coons, but overwhelmingly, people just really enjoy it. So, like, this is this is my big question. Like, this is our first animated film, and I'm so glad Travis brought it to the table. And he chose, he chose a great one because, I mean, it, it's a cult favorite. It's not wow. like something classic from like from the Disney catalog that people are just going to be like, "Are you kidding me? This is a masterpiece." How did you guys approach this? I mean, did you come in all like like you're used to uh, doing with pen and paper, even though this is like something that has just probably hundreds of people attached to that? They're so it's such a collaboration because it's such a different medium. Like, how did you come at this critically, Travis? Well. I'm not a trained critic. I'm not a, I mean, I, I, I went to film school, but I wouldn't say that. And I went to history school, but I wouldn't say I'm a film historian. Exactly. It's a critic school. Critic school. I mean, so I, I don't know how, like, you know, for me, part of the honest, you know, approach to our show is just that like, Hey, we're just viewers. We're just fans. We just like movies. Um, and that, so I approach the movie very much as a viewer, as a person sitting on his couch. Is this a good movie? Did I spend a lot of time thinking about the hundreds of people involved in making it? No more than I would any other film that I watch that literally involves a hundred or more people to make it. Um, so I, I really did not think about that at all. I looked, I, I went very, I'm, I'm a very what's in my face kind of person. I, I have trouble thinking too deeply about things. <laughs> I take a lot of things at face value. Uh, so I, I, I really just watched it and, and you know, just received it. I would say I threw it on. I was in Best bed. It. I actually did. I admit that there, in the beginning, that fucking kid 
Kids are annoying in movies sometimes, and I'm just not having it. So early on, when he comes in to the restaurant with that squirrel, I was like, okay, yep, hijinks, who cares, blah, blah, blah. The kid definitely turned me off initially. But, you know, things did change later. Well, my overall viewpoint was, okay, this is animated, but it's taken seriously by a lot of people. So I did look at it with a critical eye, of course, but also a discerning and uh, open-minded eye. I didn't think hey, this has got to be stupid because it's animated or anything like that. I think I would say it's business as usual for me, Eric. I think so. But you, Eric. Yeah, well, I bring it up only because, like, um, it'd be very easy to just, like, dismiss it and, like, just kind of have it on in the background because it is an animated film. But one of the really good things that this movie does it is avoid, like, especially late 90s kind of animated tropes, like, we're before like DreamWorks, like Shrek and like Kung Pao, um, Kung Fu Panda. Who was that asshole? Like Kung all those Pao are gonna come Fendo. in and just do like uh, <laughs> like like fart jokes and like uh, like current like um, you know try to like mirror like counterculture and stuff. So like uh, like this movie kind of feels like it could be just like a like an actual live action movie that's just. That just happens to be animated. So, like, right off the bat, when you start watching it, that's kind of the cool thing for me is, like, I couldn't just, like, throw it on and be like, this is kind of a cartoon. I'm just going to say that, like, the animation is good. Because the story immediately, like, has a lot of, like, emotion and, like, you get invested in the characters immediately. And you don't really see that in a lot of animated movies would just start, like, oh, here's your character and then, like, yeah. here's the song they sing or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've never been that crazy about the animation style of this film um i think that the the what's beautiful to me is the story it's the story um now there are parts of it that i think are beautifully done um and beautifully animated but there's a lot of foliage and like fall colors and that kind of stuff that looks cool but perspective yeah 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 some forced perspective stuff that kind of there is some stuff to marvel at here don't get don't get me wrong but yeah, I, I've never been that into. I mean, the the animation style is kind of deliberately a little bit classic, right? Because I mean, the movie takes place in 1957, so it doesn't look full on Warner Brothers, but it looks like an updated kind of Warner Brothers, just 2D style. You know, um, there's not a ton like the characters look like cartoon characters. They're not trying to make them look like real humans, which they couldn't have done with that kind of animation in 1999 anyways. And had they tried, you would have ended up with something like polar express, which had kids shitting themselves across the world. Um, <laughs> so you don't want that, but I don't want kids shitting themselves now. Yeah. So to, to, I'm not dazzled. I've never been dazzled by the animation style here. It's never been the big draw for me. Even when I, you know, wasn't super into it as a kid or as a 19 year old, I wasn't like, you know, more oh, into this <laughs> Laura's pissed. The squirrel scene is a masterpiece. I'm sorry, Laura. I apologize for that. I was hoping it was going to be a raccoon again, but it was a squirrel. Oh, the <laughs> raccoon in the water when he does and, a cannonball. Yeah. And we get introduced to, to Dean, the world's hippest and most kid-friendly beatnik. Sure. Yeah, he's definitely red on the road. And yeah. uh, he's <laughs> got a soul patch. Um, he works jazz. Like, yeah, he was the most stereotypical beatnik you could probably draw. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's fine, I guess. I mean, you could have colored a little variation there, but that's I enjoy that character. He's fun. It's really important to have him in this movie for me because if Dean's not in this movie, I might not in, be as engaged as I was yeah. because I needed somebody with a different perspective 
And, you know, why does the kid have to have no dad? Like, would it, would it change this movie at all, Travis, if he had two parents, but they were both busy? Uh, I mean, would that really change how we felt and how the movie plays out? I mean, I, I'd be curious if in the book, whether whether there's a dad figure or not, I'm guessing not. Um, but the the incessant need for all animated films, regardless of the studio, to bring us a kid who is either an orphan or only has one parent, like it's it is a bit it is a bit much. But I I I, I like that they didn't they didn't harp on where the dad was. I, you kind of have to infer oh. the, the kid Hogarth has this helmet throughout much of the film, and I realized like halfway through the film, like oh shit, that's his dad's helmet. His dad died in the Korean War. Died. Oh. <laughs> I wonder why he put that fucker on in bed. I didn't. I, I didn't yeah, understand make that sense. At all. Once, I, once you thought of that, once I thought of that, I'm like, oh, that's. They didn't need to talk, tell us where he went. They showed us, which is brilliant. It's kind of clever, actually. Yeah, I, it is. I like that you brought that up because while it's not important that the dad is no longer around, I'm not sure we get that much in terms of like how not having a father figure anymore affects Hogarth, like. We don't get any scenes of like him missing him, thinking about him, or not having a, a father figure to help him navigate the world at this point. He just kind of hops in, finds the robot. But again, I think we're shown that because for one, he's very open to this robot who is scary and almost kills him on the first meeting. So he's pretty open to that robot. And he's very open to Dean, the hipster weirdo on the edge of town who is just all too cool with a little kid showing up on his doorstep in the middle of the night. Uh, I think that, I think that Hogarth shows us that he is looking for a father figure in both the giant and Dean. I will be your father figure. Put your tiny hand in mine, Hogarth. Hog hug. (laughs) Hog hug. I got to talk about this. So what we really made me think about was how bad, there's not a lot of sympathy for boomers these days. It feels like uh, <laughs> I put that mildly, oh, boy, probably. Yeah. Oh, uh, but the time they grew up in was brutal. I mean, there really was this fear of nuclear war, and the nuclear age was a brand new thing back then. And this movie brings you back to that. It's a mm-hmm. reminder, even though the movie's 20 plus years old, it takes you back to the 50s and the Sputnik is launched and this paranoia and a massive amount and they do a good job of kind of alluding to some of this movies that were about science fiction films that were about the end of days and impending doom Mm -hmm. in the cold war they were allegories and shit like that so i think uh i actually feel a little bit bad for boomers just a little bit more than i originally Mm -hmm. did before i watched this movie because that was serious shit and this movie does a great job of taking us back to the time I agree. I think that I think that there should be more movies set in 1957. I hadn't really considered it until watching this movie. Just what an uh, intense year or so that would have been for Americans with Sputnik happening. You know, the uh, Soviets had got the hydrogen bomb a few years before that. Uh, we haven't even started the space race for the first time. Like we're 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 seeing our newly emergent global dominance strongly threatened and uh in in the firm belief that that threat is going to come in the form of nuclear annihilation and and you get everyone from kent mansley who it makes sense this federal character everyone from him to hogarth's friends are like hey communism bad different must be communism bomb it bomb 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 Mm, yes yeah that that that's pretty much it and that's uh that's why i think the the film's 
you know, in that essence stands this test of time early in this conversation, because what other film was was handling this type of subject matter, especially in 1999? Like, I remember my my mother telling me how afraid she was when she would see pictures of Nikita Khrushchev. 13 Days came out the year after this. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, mean, the the whole movie. The whole duck and cover thing. You got to imagine how, like, a real duck and cover uh, training a Mm -hmm. drill was back in this time. Matinee. You ever seen Matinee? That's why I bring up Joe Dante because he's all about like uh, it's nostalgia based with fear uh, of of the time and the era. And and one thing this film does really well, which I think critics didn't really understand, was. A lot of critics like accuse this of being like anti-American because there was this uh, fear of the government in oh. in the entire film of of the Iron Giant, and and there was this um, case to be made about the simplicity of regular Americans, but I think they're missing the point here. I mean, this is this is people that are scared, and then it, and it's a paranoid environment in general. Mm-hmm. But, there's no bad, real really, bi- but there's no real bias here uh, implicating anyone in the film. But I, that's what I think uh, Brad Bird does a good job of portraying. I think it's more about the guy who has the power exploiting that power for his own personal f- paranoia and fear. The Kent Mainsley character is clearly the most hardcore anti-communist extremist person in this film and unfortunately has a position of power where he'll lie i mean he says a kid's murdered he lies about that right this guy is the it's not about the government it's about people in government more specifically well and you could go from from joe mccarthy to vladimir putin the the power of one man um to wield uh that kind of power in, in a negative way and have that affect everybody else who's just like trying to do their thing. I mean, that, that can have profound impacts. Uh, going back to Sputnik real quick, I love that the movie opened. What you see Sputnik, the iron rock, the iron giant rockets right by Sputnik. But then again, going back to the the um, nuclear stuff, one of the things I also really liked about this movie is, is everyone's like urging the use of nuclear weapons. Like it's not that big a deal. Like let's get this shit going. Mansley's like, like, like yeah. calling it in. And at one point the army's ready to call it in when the iron giant is in running distance. I mean, Hogarth literally just ran from town for like four minutes, three minutes to like right there. And everyone's like, okay, now, now it's safe to do it. What, which is like dumb, but it makes sense. Cause at the time, a lot of people, most people did not fully appreciate one, the scope and size of atomic weapons and let alone the nuclear fallout, the radiation fallout. And two, a lot of people still just thought of them as like, well, it's like, a, you know, you'd use a grenade. This is a big grenade. It's not it's not a big deal. You just, it's a weapon. You use weapons. Right. Ah. It's like a gung-ho nation. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like a, <laughs> a final solution and a be-all, end-all. Gung-ho yeah. I like, sounds like a good documentary title, by the way. Did you know yeah, that Brad Bird, the director of this film, his sister died at the hands of a gun from her husband... And that's why he came up with this idea, apparently. That's one of the stories with, with on IMDb gun, trivia. Yeah. With guns being the bad guy in the movie. What if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? That's it. That's, yeah, that's basically it, isn't it? That is it. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think. Fuck. Sorry that's about simple. his sister dying, but we got a great, you know, he got a fascinating piece of art out of it. So, well, you think di- I mean, it. you can dissect that with, with any monster. I mean, 
Travis, you're the big uh, Shelley expert here, and there's so many allusions to, mm-hmm. to Frankenstein here that it's not even mm-hmm. funny. And for me, to be honest with you, we can get into those, but that's where, and I hate to be one of the very, very few like critics narratively about the film, a lot of it is very familiar in yep. terms of the, uh, you know, the the pathos of mm-hmm. the, the the big monster and the seeing that like it's just like when when Frankenstein when the creature throws the girl into the pond like seeing the danger <clears> all of this in stuff. the movie in in the movie <laughs> forgive me yeah I'm, the, the from from the the uh. James Whaleian aspect of the of the thing but like yeah uh, a lot of it just uh, a lot of it admittedly does seem like I've kind of seen this before when it comes to the whole does it hold up nowadays? We've we've seen this many times. Yeah, but I imagine there are people that read Frankenstein and went, ah, "Gothic shit again, romanticism." Oh, she's talking <laughs> about the fucking Alps again. Let's hear more about the Alps, Mary. Like, right. I read that in the last in your travel log that you wrote before, you know, a couple years ago. Boring. I mean, I think that, I think that <laughs> we could we could make that argument for anything. We're talking about like tropes. Now, I, I do agree that there is some of this that is familiar and as i already pointed out i think that the the movie that the book came out in 1968 could have some stuff to do with that that all story of the movie bears little resemblance to the book apparently based on the trivia i can't prove that but that's what it says i believe it i haven't read the book um but that all being said the reason i love frankenstein is not because i think that this is the template for this kind of movie or in story and everything after should look the exact same and we don't need to read tread this ground quite the opposite i find um explorations of personhood and what constitutes a soul or a person i find that fascinating in my day-to-day life it's partly why i love dogs so much so uh when we're dealing with it in cinema and fiction and that kind of stuff i i I can return to that well over and over again and be fascinated every time and the whole scene here when hogarth is explaining to the giant that that Hogarth is going to die, that the giant might die and that souls don't die. Like I got a little verklempt. I got a little verklempt. Um, You know, and and the idea being that like, what does it take to have a soul? Maybe I I don't think it takes that much. I think that if you can love and be loved, then you've got a soul. If you can take a poop, you have a soul. That's good for me. That's deep, dude. Thanks for Socrates? piggybacking on my point there. I do think that people think do not love and have a soul for the record. I don't think you have to be loved. <laughs> I think you can be unloved and have a soul for the record, but I think that I think that the capacity uh, okay. helps. Yo, Pete Townsend was one of the executive producers on this from The Who. It's true. No, oh, I didn't that's know that. fun. Yeah, that's a little fun fact. He also did a concept album based on the book, so I guess he was a big fan of the, the <laughs> book originally. Jeez. Clearly. The, original, uh, the book called The Iron Man, which for good reason they changed it to the iron giant in america yeah and this movie also has some they mix in historical reality too like the jack parr show was a real show and i think that was the actual mm-hmm. audio from the show with the animated television that's awesome happening simultaneously mm-hmm. sputnik of course you mentioned so and the town is called rockwell which is clearly a norman <laughs> rockwell reference yeah and and it is it's probably the type of town he would have painted uh but there are periods of the movie where it's just kind of standard fare and it's not reinventing anything. And I don't think it has to either. I just, I just found parts where the kids going through his kid shenanigans to be a little bland for my taste, but that's a personal choice. This movie's doing what any other film usually does with a film, but you mentioned the spider verse movie. That's about a kid. It Mm -hmm. is teenager, kid, adolescent. And 
that one doesn't really lose me as much as this one does. So I guess well, it can be done well. Yeah, but I mean, that kind of gets to my point about um, the animation style, which you wouldn't want to superimpose the Spider-Verse's animation style onto this because the whole reason that the uh, Spider-Verse is so chaotic is because you're literally introducing these multiple universes and approaches. And so you're going to blend all kinds of different styles together, but it makes for an incredibly uh, appealing visual feast. Uh, whereas this, you 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 have to get invested or else the what you're looking at is not going to maintain your interest. You have to get invested in the story and, and come to care about the characters. Yeah. Uh, um, this was a little more agency for the mother, too. Rachel, uh, Jennifer's character here. Rachel. Like she oh, is Rachel. a cool mother. I call, I call <laughs> her Rachel, Rachel from Friends. Sorry, She's Jennifer. She's so trusting. Hey, Kent Mansley, nice to meet you. Here, live with my live in my house. Uh, spend time alone with my child. <laughs> oh, my child. <laughs> I think she was horny. I just think she was really horny. And that Kent Mansley may be a douchebag, but man, he's a sexy motherfucker. Well, he's got Beautiful quite a jaw. Chin. That yeah, chin. Yeah. Gorgeous. It's like a that clown's chin. shoe. I don't know, man. Like, um, I'm watching this some 23 years later, and I'm kind of in awe of the animation because it's reminding me of um, Max Fleischer, the old Superman cartoons, mm -hmm. and Hank which is probably telling a ghost story right now. And and looks like the thing about you got a flashlight like, in your face. You're telling a ghost story. <laughs> is this is this pine uh, evergreen mist scented candle? Uh, I mean, kind of sounds like it, it kind of smells everyone's like got a candle. Cab, Shit. yeah. Yeah, everyone's got them, dude. Left out. It is timeless. Yeah, the the animation style is timeless, which I guess is what I was trying to get at earlier. Uh, in that, and on one hand, that's that's a little tried and true, but you're right. It, it also kind of makes it feel. I think that's the point. Like, yeah. like, like Rockwell Maine is feels timeless, and yeah. it's got like this 30s, 40s. Like every single person, especially according to their occupation, looks a certain way. They're either short or they're big or they're skinny or they're smug or they're mm -hmm brainy and like you don't see a lot of movies taking the time to make every single character look different and that's why i really like it but above all i mean we're missing a huge point here like everybody in rockwell is hand-drawn whereas the 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 giant himself is computer generated and we had never ever seen uh up until that point uh just one single character I think maybe the rug in Aladdin was yeah. singularly animated, but until then, the uh, a main character, the giant, he's completely computer generated, and that, that, no pun intended, makes him otherworldly. Like mm. every time he moves, mm -hmm. he just looks a little different from everybody else, and and you can really kind of see that, and it, and it connects you with him. And you want to talk about um, a character that literally is just this like hunk of junk like he's this hundred foot tall just hunk of junk robot but to put so much emotion in every single nuance of his character is uh is is a pinnacle in animation in my opinion uh it's unforgettable yeah. and they do great with his face um making him express joy and anger and fear and without doing a too big uh, of of change which was cool Hmm. Yeah. Sure. I respect you. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah, <laughs> I guess we, I guess we've kind of set our pieces. It's starting to seem like, I mean, is there anything else that we need to address here? Um, I mean, I mean, uh, does the giant kill people when he starts blowing up tanks? Cause I feel like he kills a few people when he's blowing up these tanks. 
What do you guys think? There's okay. no doubt about it. The film is trying to make... I'm sorry, Mike. I'm really sorry. But the movie is trying to make this point, point about how guns are bad. Period. All caps. And yet when the giant gets pissed off and he literally becomes just a death ray, he's smiting people ad nauseum like all over the place mm -hmm. and it's i don't think it's making enough of a statement about even the giant himself is a dangerous thing well uh, they do because i mean like he's he dead he thinks hogarth is dead yeah he or, thinks hogarth is dead at that point you're right and also he thinks that another point that he you know he almost kills hogarth himself and tries to remove himself from him. i actually think they do a decent job of that myself but Okay. Yeah, that part was cool where they're playing around and that's the first time you find out that he is a killing machine if threatened, right. if threatened. And I thought the movie could have, I guess that's the kind of movie I like, take a little bit more risk, kill people, make things more dangerous, higher risk of stakes, invest me further with my emotive interest in a film. I'll always, I'm always going to be that way. And, and they don't have to kill anybody, I guess, but when he is... In that rage, we can't prove that anyone died. Someone may have died, Travis. But Probably. he clearly shows. They, they show the violence, and they also show, which I thought they wouldn't do this, when he saves the two kids that fall off the balcony, the people mm -hmm. aren't freaking out. They actually are yeah. cool mm -hmm. with seeing this massive iron yeah. giant in the downtown square. That was refreshing. I dug that. Yeah, because of what he did. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily go the way. You know, they don't get out there their pitchforks and torches the way you kind of think that maybe they would. Yeah. This is good. They're not as intolerant as you, as you think that they're going to be. Yeah. Which may not be accurate for the fifties, but okay, whatever. Oh, uh, no, I wasn't there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I've read some things uh, here I've, and there. Yeah, I've read some things. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, don't know. I think we've kind of hit most of the points. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Is there anything I else the, you guys want? The social political part. I'm good. Yes. Yeah, I cover I like, the Luke angle. I like the Superman uh, in in you know references here. That those make sense to the era. Again, I think oh. I'm thinking I might you know I, I have to I have the end of my semester coming soon, so I kind of have a few days to kill with my students again, which means I'm gonna. I did just show um, my seniors a movie, but I have to show my freshmen a movie. Well, I'm going to show them one soon. I might show them the Iron Giant. I mean, I mean it's a, we're in the 60s, so it's a little past where we where we are. But we did just cover this stuff a couple yeah, weeks ago. I was going to say, what what is the uh, what's the perfect. timeline? Because didn't you do Dancing with Wolves, and now you're at Forrest Gump? Like, well, I teach I teach four different years, different classes, different preps, dude. Yeah, but um, no, ah. but yeah, there is there is one main class that I've referenced quite a few times. Like I showed them Dances with Wolves, and now we're at Forrest Gump. So it's but Dances with Wolves was, I mean, it's been like a survey course basically. So I've been doing from basically Civil War era to now. Well, Warner Brothers showed their might because they have the Superman property so they can put it in the movie. So good for you, Warner <laughs> Brothers. Isn't that nice that you can do that? Because you wouldn't even be able to mention that if it wasn't a Warner Brothers movie. That's how fucked up this shit is sometimes. Oh, I got <laughs> another point I wanted to make, too, uh, in terms of history. I like that Mansley comes from this unexplained phenomena department. Something that gets left out of most histories of this era is just how open to 
the arcane and the occult and like psychic shit that the American government was in the mid century. You know, we try, we were trying mind control. We were trying remote viewing. We were trying all kinds of shit that, you know, colleges had entire departments devoted to psychic research. Uh, This stuff was, was Mm -hmm. widely accepted for a a middle chunk of our history. And, and, and I partly am envious of that uh, when that kind of stuff was investigated that seriously. And so I thought that this character made sense uh, from from that angle. I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. That's really cool. Sure. And in 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 terms of like any good villain should think that they are not exactly righteous, but at least doing mm-hmm. the like the right thing or what they believe should be done for righteous. their mm-hmm. country or you know any 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 personal narrative. And yeah, it it makes for a really interesting story. Especially that's why when you think about like why is this set in 1957? But it hits all of those, man. Yeah. The paranoia, the fascination with paranoia um, strikes uh, deep. All, all of that stuff, Mike. In- incredible. I wrote yeah, two it's... notes of this movie, guys. Two notes. Boring hijinks. That was a note. On off switch on a power station? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, I made that note too. <laughs> I do have that um, note. I have yep. that note. Oh, back to Mansley real quick. I really, I think that a good villain also will have some humanity to him when he turns that um, pot. Uh, the, the pot holder thing around it's got the weird face on it so he doesn't have to see it i don't know there's something i find really endearing uh, about that moment uh another note if we're going to list our notes before we wrap up here i made a note to myself i started making a note that was like oh it's super weird that this metal man eats metal then i was like but we're made of flesh and we eat flesh so never mind <laughs> i've had some great flesh in my day oh, really I've had some real tasty flesh I've I got. I'm not going to be shy. Shitty, I've it. got shitty acting in the B, B movie on television. Yeah, intentionally they didn't have to do that, but they did it. They did. You can hear it. The guy's voice. He's yeah. intentionally doing a That's bad fun. job. And what is that? That's basically what's the name of that movie? The the, the brain that wouldn't die or whatever. Yeah, what, yeah. One of those. Yeah. Yeah. The brain head that wouldn't die. Wow, that's cool. Okay. Well, all right. Well, we're gonna call it what it is. We're gonna find out does the Iron Giant hold up or not. Uh, I'll go first. I don't think I've gone first. Have I gone first? I went first last week, actually. Um, but I'll go first again. I don't care. Okay. The Iron Giant made me despondent early on. And I felt the hijinks was a bit much and I don't care. I don't care about kids running around and they're annoying. Even though I was a child and I do have a lot of empathy for children across the globe, I don't necessarily want to watch them for entertainment. Uh, however, there are exceptions. You know, the, the kid Magnolia who raps, I was into that kid. He entertained me. That was cool. Let me tell uh, you about the worm. Of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of kids on uh, the silver screen who have brought me joy, uh, have made me emotional in positive and negative ways. So this kid's fine. He's just kind of annoying. And that's what kids are sometimes. They are a bit annoying. Other than that, it's a rock solid film. I can't say it doesn't hold up because it's really um structured well it's sound the pacing is pretty solid for me as well uh a couple low lights are not really worth mentioning really Mm. so when i look at it i love the political and the the overall global scale that this movie takes you into in a period of time as we discussed with the 50s and nuclear war and nuclear fear and putting and when the new when the bomb actually is coming everyone says duck and cover they think it's gonna work 
except for the except for the <laughs> okay. military man who's like, "What are you fucking talking about?" Of course, I yeah. I mean, him and Dean are like, "Come on, we're we're screwed. It's over." <laughs> yeah, and the, I, the Nick and the general, they're the only ones that have a sense. <laughs> the of realist, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. And no, yeah, that's refreshing. Uh, and it did get to me. I, I kind of wish that there wasn't the uh, final scene there. I kind of wish the giant was just gone for good mm-hmm. because i started to break that down too okay he goes to meet the bomb and it explodes but he stops it from coming to earth he would be incinerated like there wouldn't just be leg parts and head parts it would all be incinerated most likely but when that's a nitpick back into the atmosphere of course he didn't burn up in the atmosphere the first time so maybe i guess he yeah so that. the aliens who created him that's a there's a whole backstory there i kind of would be into a prequel possibly anywho this movie holds up it's an enjoyable animated film all right all right, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in a uh, second since this was my pick. I am really glad that I chose it. Um, I think that I would have revisited revisited it soon anyways because i kind of been thinking about it for a while. But I, we were so overdue to finally have an animated film on here. And, and I love family movies. I do, man. If they're done right, I love family movies. I love all genres of movies because I love movies. I can, I can watch any genre. I don't give a really? fuck. Really? any fucking genre anything show it to me i'll probably be into it if it's if it's well made if it's good then i'll be on board and this is an extremely concise professional slick but not in a way that is uh insincere or inauthentic this is an extremely like this hits all the heart vibes all the heartstrings you know like it gets there's a real soul to this movie but it doesn't feel contrived it doesn't feel slick it, but at the same time, it's so well pieced together. And yeah, there is a, some familiar elements here. Uh, there is some things where I can't tell if it was influenced or influenced by or whatever. Well, whatever. This is a wholly entertaining film that says important things uh, about life, about American history, and does a really good job of being historically of historically contextualizing what's going on here. Absolutely holds up. I really like The Iron Giant. Well, you've said it. You've said so much, man, and you bring up so many great points. Like, especially for '99, man, because like I said before, animation was in a weird spot where we were kind of passing the baton between traditional hand-drawn animation and this new computer-generated stuff. And in a way, what this does is it takes familiar ideas and brings them into the 21st century. Uh, there's certain stories and tropes that are never going to go away uh children that have to come of age especially if they are missing any type of parental figures that need to you know find someone that can help them uh get to the next step this is a great movie about um having compassion in outsiders Mm-hmm. And that can speak on so many levels that we don't even, you know, that you can get to on your own. Uh, I think that's why this speaks to a lot of people. It's, 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 it's about alienation, not just in Hogarth, but in the giant himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that visually. Um, and Brad Bird, for a first, <laughs> a first time animation feature director, yeah. this is an absolute fucking home run. There's a reason why he is animation royalty. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just incredible, man. Would I have a couple of questions in the story room? Like maybe we could see how Hogarth acts around his peers in school 
and we have some of his frustrations about living with uh, an obviously frustrated single mother. Yeah, but if we did that, we would just be E.T. because that's Elliot's situation. It, it, his problems already deal with that. And we've seen that before. So why don't we just have fun with this sci-fi story that is not dissimilar to any movie you've seen under the, <laughs> the 50s late night television banner and, and have fun with it. Um, but say a lot about gun violence and gun play, which not a lot of movies were doing in the 90s, um, especially considering the 80s were all about uh, gun foray and gun exploit gun exploitation and kind of like gun savory it was pretty yucky so to see any movie that that uh talks negatively about gunplay obviously the symbolism being that a weapon is good that's why i think this film holds up because it it for an animated movie it has something to say it's not fucking fart jokes it's incredible. Man. Uh, you could show it to kids nowadays, and they would tell you that it just came out last weekend, man. I encourage any parent to show them this film for so many reasons. Uh, I think it absolutely holds up, and I give it a complete uh, tip of the hat. Very nice. All right. I was looking I for it- a note. I couldn't find it. <laughs> I give it five sniffs of the candle. I give it five evergreen evergreen tree huffs. <laughs> Atomic age. Did I say that? I don't know. Who cares? All right. Now, oh. now that word has officially been used in this podcast. That's there great. we go. Atomic hey, age. all right. He holds up, man. We're on a roll in this show. We're getting, we think everything holds up lately. A lot of what unity here. Yeah. yeah. A lot of support. Well, so. I take that back. We didn't all think eight mile held up. But uh, oh. other than that, it's been a pretty good run. Or eight mile. There it is. The Iron Giant in the can. Episode 101 on the March to 200. Thank you, Travis, for selecting that fascinating film. And next week, we will have a guest for Eric Bradstrom as he is off. In fact, Eric will not be on the show again until April. Damn, well, two I'll be off in the next two weeks. Next week, He's... I'll be in Florida. And then I have to chaperone the fifth graders for a fifth grade yeah. camp. <laughs> oh. So, damn. Wow. Yeah, I remember yeah. fifth grade camp. The raids, man, those were fun. Woo. I got I got to shut down the raids. I literally have to be the guy that say no raids. If you're thinking about going to the girls' camp, you can't do that. I'll I will stop you. Now I do remember when I went to fifth grade camp, there was one like coached raid where it was like a raid that we thought we were doing illegally, yeah. but it was actually like one well monitored raid. It was staged <laughs> and, and total horseshit. and staged, but I it I fell for it at the time and it kept us from having to, you know, from doing it on our own. So that's an yeah. idea. I was happy. <laughs> I still square dance with Kim Maynard. No complaints here. Oh, I square dance with Rachel Mulkowski. I would have no complaints about square dancing with Kim wow. Maynard. That's for sure. I envy you. I envy both of you. <laughs> Well, I think I square danced by myself. I had no pubes. Oh, I was ten idea. years old, no pubes. So, oh, yeah, well, that's very innocent. good, man. That's okay. that's normal. It was. My life was innocent and carefree. I was uh, a lucky boy uh, to be young. Okay, so next week Eric won't be here, and Christian Hermanski's going to sub in a great guest host, a great man, friend. a good friend, a, a wonderful friend who has. I said created, great. He said good. I did say good. He actually <laughs> updated our logo a while ago. Yeah. Cinema 9 logo. He's done a lot of work. That's He's him. taking a great interest in the show. He has a lot more invested in this show than you may realize. So, what's it going to be, Eric? Give it to us. Yeah, what are we watching? Gentlemen, the time has come. 
We've been flirting with this for a little while. And my good friend Christian is finally here to bring it to the head of the table, man. Um, Any Saints of is, Excuse me? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we, we all think that sucks. <laughs> my friends, I got to tell you right now. He is going with the Best Picture Oscar winner of 1999. That's right. Don't oh placate me like I'm your mother, boy. Yeah, it's American boy. Beauty. Wow. Oh. Huh. <laughs> okay. This movie, boy. For a, a time, it, it, it was everything. This movie came in. Yeah, it was huge. Floating bag. Most incredible thing people have ever seen. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Alan Ball. Uh, Sam Mendes. Yeah, keep going, yeah. man. Everything. Yeah. Wow. All right, another spacey film. It's, yep. it's, a, it's a spacey oh. year. <laughs> spacey a lot of caveats next week. <laughs> I'm oh, going to miss yeah. out on all the caveats. Yeah, <laughs> you're, I think you're lucky them. you're not going to be on this episode, Eric, because uh, probably this movie does have some instant problems before we even watch it. So, but damn. All right. Will it hold up? Maybe. Will it hold up? American I won't, rule, I won't rule anything out. I won't. Okay. Cool. Well, looking cool. forward to doing that. We'll miss you, Eric. Uh, thank we you, will. everyone, for joining us. Dang. Good boy. And again, please rate, review, do all the things so we can get other people listening to our show. We'd appreciate it. Anything else that we need to cover, fellas? I'm just wishing you guys the best, man. It's going to be two weeks without you. Uh, you know I love you. I love the show. Best of luck. Thank you, anybody, over the next uh, 14 days that listens comments anything man we appreciate you and uh keep checking us out man these guys are going to deliver in my stead <laughs> we'll do the best for your stead we stay you go 